Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I am joined as always by Chris. Hello. And by Stu. Hi there. We, this week, are going to do a little bit of a mid-season performance report. We're going to go through all the drivers that have driven in some capacity this season. (laughs) I'm guessing you know why I said it like that. (laughs) And rank them, tier maker style. Because everyone on YouTube loves a tier maker list, right? We we do still still love a good tier list, even though it's a, what, I mean, each year we do it, it goes another year out of date as a format. But it's fine. It, it works well. It's fine. This is going to be our most visual formatted podcast since we've moved to YouTube as well. So if you've uh, if you've never watched the episode on YouTube before, this is probably the one if you're gonna pick well, one to dive don't in. Don't promise. With. Don't promise too much, Chris. Come on. I mean, I mean there'll be something other than our faces to look at. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm I'm gonna share my screen, and it's gonna be a tear maker window. There's not much more to it than that. Um, but seeing as we are talking about YouTube, please, if you are new to us here on YouTube, remember to subscribe, hit the bell for every week's episode so you get it first. And of course, if you like any particular episode, like, leave a comment. We've got we've started getting inbox questions, which we'll get to later, that have come from comments. So we'll always check those. So yeah, be sure to interact here as well as all the other places. And we're really, really close to... Um, a little minor milestone of 150 followers, which sounds really lame for YouTube, but we've not been doing YouTube for very long and we get loads and loads of low, uh, listens as a podcast. So we're just trying to grow that YouTube as well. And it'd be great to hit that little, that mini little milestone this week. So tell your friends, you can tell your friends and you can be the one to get us over that little milestone. Milestone. Mindstone. I hope it's not a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's get on with some rankings. Now, any preference on which way around we do this? Because there's a lot of different ways we could do it. The easiest way is probably to go team by team. Um, I feel like we probably should have planned before we started this recording. I'm just seeing you you have preference more than anything. (laughs) Team by team championship order, I think, is probably the most interesting because... I feel like it's going to get more interesting the further we go down the list. Yeah, okay. I feel like Let's there'll be a then. few at the beginning that are somewhat obvious, but we'll see. Right, I suppose this cues me to to share my screen, doesn't it? So we can see the tier maker. There it is. Is this going to work? Yes, it has worked. Amazing. It has indeed well, been successful. I have, a, I have a black screen and now I have an actual there they are. screen. So here we go. Here we go. This is really happening. Okay, <laughs> so let's let's just kick it off then. Red Bull. So 12 wins as a team, 19 podiums, nearly all of that is Max Verstappen single-handedly, <laughs> ten, 10 race wins to Max Verstappen. Oh, wait, no, sorry. No, this is head-to-head, isn't it? So, yeah, it will be 10 race wins to Max Verstappen and two to Perez. Yeah, that's um, right. Verstappen 10 times beating Perez in quali. Um, yeah, all nearly all of those podiums obviously coming in some capacity from Verstappen um, and a huge point gap of 314 to 189 Um, so where are we going to put them both gents I mean there's no way Verstappen isn't anything other than S tier yeah, let's get that out of the way straight. Away. So we might as well just do that straight away. Um, let's think. We are witnessing th- one of the all-time great F1 seasons. There's no way Sup- he can't be top tier. Superlative number one of the day for Max <laughs> Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been untouchable. He's been. He's just on a on a, another level. Um, uh, yeah, 
you can't argue with it, can you? He's, he's just absolutely yeah. dominating. Perez, however, <laughs> <laughs> the first the, the controversial one of this conversation is occurring. Yeah. The first bit. So I'm, mm. I'm trying to not have like recency bias with this because it's really easy to judge based on like the most recent races that you have seen most recently. They they're, they're fresher in your mind. Like Perez did have a good start to the season. Mm. So like the first However. first five races, two wins, two seconds, and a fifth. He was not a million miles off for Stappen actually beat him sometimes. That's no mean feat. Obviously, since those first five races, it's gone not quite as well. Um <laughs> understatement. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, let's just, uh, let's just throw some, throw some letters out there and see where we end up. So I am going to struggle to put Perez anywhere higher than a B right now. I I guess for people only listening, we should say that our rankings here are S, A, B, C, D. Yeah. The bog standard tier makers. Yeah. So he he's right in the middle there for me on a B. I, I I really would struggle to put him anywhere higher than that, given the dominance of Verstappen and the places where we've been seeing Perez end up through his own you know through through his own mistakes and through his own inconsistent performances. Yeah. Um, I think. I, can 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 you really justify anything higher than a B? No. I no. Can't. And I think the I guess one element to almost saving from going lower, I think, is the fact that if you just purely looked at his finishing results for the season and didn't take into account what you'd seen as a performance, his results wouldn't actually look that bad overall because they're basically all top six finishers other than Monaco, which mm-hmm. was a bit of a disaster anyway. Yeah. Um, so it sort of highlights that the real big problem he's had is qualifying pace and then having to fight back through the field. Like his racecraft hasn't actually been too bad, but in reality, if he's in the car that he's in, you'd even starting from near the back, you would probably expect him to be pushing towards a podium more often. Um, So I think that's probably the only thing that saves him from like dropping all the way down to C is the fact that it's only it, it feels like it's only one half of his performances that have been like particularly poor and that's qualifying. Okay. So I think I was being generous with a B, man. Like I I think there's you you could make a strong argument for a C. Like he he is he's the only other driver to have won a race this season. Like if you consider True. Max Verstappen is basically like the final boss of Formula One right now. <laughs> Perez is Perez admittedly in the best equipment on the grid. He's the only person to have beaten him and has done on a couple of occasions. Yeah, Perez I is can, like I the can... starting Pokemon. That's <laughs> <laughs> Formula One. And Max and, and is Mewtwo. Max is literally Mewtwo. Yeah, you took away that on my map. Like, that's what these tiers should have been, just like different Pokemon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could be convinced by a B or a C for Perez, so 
Okay, I'm going to say C just because I'm cruel. Tom, you've got the final decision on this. Oh, that makes it harder because I was happy to go with B. Do you know what? I'm going to put him in C with you. What? Oof. I didn't think you'd Why do not? that. Oh, no, no, I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, what I must say is, what I was saying is I was trying to convince myself of why I could agree with you on B. So all that spiel I just kind of came up with was me going, okay, I can help justify what Stu's saying with a B initially here. So... It was an initial B, and now he's a resulting C. <laughs> this is um, what happens. This is what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I think it is justified. I don't think it, the, the performance just hasn't been there. And even the times when Verstappen has started, the few times where Verstappen started further down the grid, Verstappen's then gone on to overtake his teammate and win the race. And Perez has never. You don't see that ever happening this season. Yeah. I can't see a world where. Perez, from this point on, I can't see a world where Perez overtakes his teammate. And and you, there's an argument to say that um, he's, you know, the car isn't not really Perez's car, it's Verstappen's car, and it's been designed much more around Verstappen. And I think that is totally fair to say. I think it's obvious. But um, even so, you're, you're still in the best car. By a long way, the best car, you should be doing a lot better. Yeah. And wasn't there a stat recently of um, the last time we were in this scenario... Gasly was closer to Verstappen than Perez is now. The mid-season break, yeah. Well, in the season, Gasly was dropped. Which I think probably says more about Verstappen's pure dominance this season than it does Perez. And the level of competition as well. But and yeah, and just kind of where that car is. I think I think it says more than just Perez is not as good as Gasly. I think that's very much misreading that statistic. Very much so. It's still an interesting statistic. Statistic, yeah. nonetheless. Do you think, who do you, do you think Bruno Senna would be doing better? <laughs> I mean, dig that feature. Do up I have to dig that jingle out? No, 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 no. no. Let's, <laughs> let's not. Hang okay, let, we should move on. We should move. Let's on. move on. Okay, let's talk about uh, Mercedes next. As surprisingly, they are next in the standings, which I didn't think I'd be saying at this point in this season. No. Um, so we've got Hamilton v Russell here. Um, nine races. Better for Hamilton compared to Russell's three. Seven qualies better for Hamilton to Russell's five. Four podiums for Hamilton, just the one for Russell. Uh, and a points gap of 148 for Hamilton to 99 for Russell. Um, so, yeah, like kind of where I'd expect them to be compared to each other. I don't know about you two. I don't know if you think that Russell should be closer, but I sort I... of think this is about right. I think Russell's having a little bit of a disappointing season, to be honest. Um, after, obviously, the season he had last year, he was very much building throughout the year, kind of culminated in picking up that win towards the end of the year. I don't really feel like this season he's kind of kept that momentum going quite as much. Um, Hamilton, I think, is honestly wringing everything out of that car this year. I don't think there's much more he could have done with the car he's had. Uh, Russell, I think you, I'd have hoped to see more out of Russell with that car this year. I I can't disagree with any of that. Um, but where do we want to rank? Yeah, them? I was about where to say let's <laughs> let's turn yeah. this into letters. I I think Hamilton is at least an A. I think you could, if you wanted to, try and make an argument to put Hamilton in S tier. 
if you if you're gonna take the are they doing the most they can with the car they have argument, I think you could make that argument. I'm I'm borderline. Hmm. Yeah, I think it, it is a this is a very tough. I think Hamilton has had one or two sort of blips in his season so far. I mm. think the yeah the incident with Perez in the last race was a little bit kind of it was it was a difficult situation but i think it was a it i think it was possible to make that overtake clean if yeah. he just doesn't go up the curb so if hamilton had been in a championship fight that incident with perez absolutely would not have happened oh no well i mean he never would have been perez wouldn't have been sort of he wouldn't have been finishing it wouldn't have been qualifying behind perez for that to happen if he wasn't a in a championship true but i think in that moment if he was in a championship fight mindset he wouldn't have yeah. put his car in position for that incident Agreed. to happen i guess that's well. fair yeah. enough yeah um yeah. so yeah that's so that's that's a very recent one but i think overall his his drive this season has been you know he, he's looked to, he's looked more motivated i think this season yeah to, to do well um i think he can see the pro you, you can see those signs that hamilton's seeing the progress within the team and that you know they they do seem to be moving forward. I think he's got got the faith that maybe next year they might sort of get start be starting to get on top of things. Yeah, be winning races next year. So that's obviously a big motivation for him to keep pushing. Um, I I think I can put him a very high A, but I I yeah. don't think I can quite justify S. I I think I agree. I think it would be weird to put him in the same tier as Verstappen just because the level That's of the... dominance Verstappen yeah. is showing that it's it's just transcends all other you know, it yeah. really really does like transcend any other drive in the history of Formula 1 I think at the moment. We almost so. needed like an S plus tier to put Max in just so <laughs> anyone else stands a chance. Well, yeah. I mean, saying that when you look down the rest of the drivers list, I don't feel like anybody else is getting in that S category, but I've got I, one. I've got could, one. I'm going to make an argument for. Uh, yeah, Ooh. I mean, I could be could be interested to hear <laughs> we'll other opinions, that. but we'll see. So okay, I think so... resoundingly, we're all saying an A. Top there. of A, yeah. Um, and then yeah, maybe like upper echelons of A that, given one or two moments, maybe could have been an S, but overall an A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I'm th- going to say Russell a solid B because that makes me feel slightly better about putting Perez as a C. <laughs> Here's where context starts to come in because I would say I agree with that because Russell, yes, could definitely be doing more with the car, but he's definitely not in a position where he feels to be as underperformant as what Perez is. So I think mm-hmm. this sort of the these three drivers here of Lewis, Russell, Perez kind of illustrate the benchmarks of abc quite well and you would have to be you're gonna have to be like really underperforming to be down in d i think that's kind of where i'm seeing it so i i I can go b for 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 russell i think the question i'm asking myself is if you were to put russell in the red bull in place of perez would he be doing better and i think he would be so there you go that's my that's my justification fight me in the comments (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> with that let's move on to aston martin um so strong start to the season uh with six podiums um 
11 race victories in comparison to, well, no, sorry, race performances. <laughs> I'll get that right. 11 race performances for Alonso, uh, Stroll with just the one. 10 quality victories for Alonso, two for Stroll. Um, all six of those podiums mentioned were Alonso and quite a big points gap of 149 points for Alonso and 47 to Stroll. So difficult times currently, I think, for the team as they appear to be caught up by the rest of the midfield teams and not having that best of the rest advantage that they had earlier in the year. Feel See, like box for further discussion points on that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like Alonso started off really strong, really team-focused, really positive, and as the current situation has gone on, that slowly, slowly faded away to the point where you can see his he's getting a bit down about the situation now and the negativity is creeping in. I mean, most recently in Spa, the um, the comments regarding like, you know, where do you think you can recover to in the race tomorrow? And the response was a blunt, I can't, or we can't, something to that. Like... <laughs> There's, yeah, I, it's difficult with Alonso because I think early in the season he was really performing well with the car, possibly even maybe outperforming what it was capable of. And now the other teams are catching him up or catching them up, sorry, as a team. It's just showing where maybe that car wasn't actually as good overall as maybe we thought it was. And I feel well, like maybe a part of it was Alonso and his performance i don't know i'm just spitballing well, okay well i think i think alonso is still outperforming the car i think recently the, the performances have dropped off a bit but i think part of that is because aston martin don't, just don't seem to have developed as fast as what mercedes and certainly um, mclaren have managed so i think there's a tail off there in in the performance for the team i think they've had a couple of iffy races as well so it could just be a bit of a blip they're having in the mid-season. I wouldn't... To me, none of this looks quite terminal yet for Aston Martin. I think there's still a fundamentally good car there and they just need to do a little bit better at maximising what they're getting out of it. Like the last the last race, no one had that much setup time. So it kind of like jumbled up the order a little bit anyway. Um, in terms of a lot... Who are we doing first, Stroll or Alonso? Let's well, do Alonso first, because I kind of started talking about Alonso initially okay. and his performance and his attitude and stuff. Chris, Chris, you had something you wanted to say there. Yeah, I'll I'll like throw the cat amongst the pigeons and say Alonso is the other driver that I want to make an argument for S tier for. Interesting. Okay. I think okay. Alonso has rung every tenth out of that car. Like he's only got one less podium than Perez in a Red Bull, and even these like you know bottom end of the points finishes he's had recently even then it's like he's fought tooth and nail to finish seventh instead of eighth like I really feel like I think Alonso has driven better this year than most of his previous seasons in F1 um okay 
I really do think he's one of the drivers getting the absolute maximum out of that car. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to be the person to make the S tier argument. So I, I, I can't decide for me if I agree with the argument, but I can't decide for me if this sort of makes Alonso an A and Stroll a D, or Alonso a C and Stroll. Uh, sorry, Alonso an S and Stroll a C. So like <laughs> I've I've got basically two spaces between them. It's either S and C or A and D. It's kind of how I'm feeling. A third option. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you could potentially put Alonso as an S. I I don't necessarily disagree Alonso as an S, but I don't think he's at the same level as what Verstappen is. So I, yeah. for the same reason that I couldn't give Hamilton an S, I think is the reason I can't give Alonso an S. So for me, Alonso is an A. Um, and then Stroll, I'd probably put down as a D. He's just been absolutely mullered by his teammate. In a, in the, he's, he's been he's rolled over like a little puppy to his teammate, there's, and there's nothing. Yeah, I mean to to compete with him. Yeah, I haven't got like the pace gaps, but I would say the Alonso to Stroll gap is one of, if not the biggest, on the grid. Well, the, interesting you say that because my argument for the the gap I was giving them was going to be to do with championship points. So as far behind Verstappen as Perez is, it's not quite um, half the point, not even half the points yet that he's behind him, if that makes sense. But there's a yeah. lot less points on offer further down. So True, but he, when, you, when you look at the gaps between the team, uh, the, these kind of higher-end teams, let's say, Stroll is like on a third of the points of his teammate. The... Mm. You know, it's not even half for Perez, and we think Perez is massively underperforming. The Russell to Hamilton gap, it's like two thirds. Um, the Ferrari gap, they're like neck and neck. The McLaren gap is only half, and one of the one of the ones that's only on half is a rookie. Like, there's a there's a noticeable difference in that gap between the two drivers. I think in a car that even if it's Alonso like getting extra out of it. Stroll should still be doing better, which is why I was my initial thoughts were A and D. And if I went with Chris's S for Alonso, it'd have sort of <laughs> ultimately dragged Stroll up a bit. But I prefer A and D, and I think Stu, you agreed in this, so that's kind of why I, I dropped them in. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was originally going to suggest S and D, but I think A and D, which is why I was like, oh, maybe there's a third option. But I think I think the correct option is A and D. I'm sorry, Chris. No, that's fine. I was, I was prepared to be at a verse on that. <laughs> just, right, Chris just is looking... like quitting the podcast. I'm <laughs> just looking we were like... talking about Bottas. <laughs> oh, oh I don't, I'm not looking forward to talking about yeah. Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to okay. add something else there, Chris? I, I feel yeah, like just like, else. obviously Stroll is kind of a, an easy guy to dump on a lot of the time. And we have kind of defended him in the past, but looking this season... That let's say the opening six races when Alonso got five podiums in those same five races, Stroll had fourth, sixth, seventh, twelfth, and two retirements. Like, yeah, those results in a podium capable car is just, yeah. And yeah, I, I sort of it. gave a little bit of a benefit of doubt in early season races just because of the cycling accident he had just before the season started that's uh, so fair. there was there was a there was like an element of benefit of doubt for those first few results but even at this point he's still barely finishing in the points yeah like, like he, he could he's had plenty of time to improve and get better at yeah, yeah. 
and hasn't. Yeah. He, he just hasn't. So yeah, yeah I think um, consistently, uh, you know, the guy's consistently underperforming. I'm not going to turn this into a session of like, you know, <laughs> giving. Yeah, we're flogging the dead horse now. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not bringing anything new to the table by saying <laughs> that, so. We should probably just move on. I was going to make a joke then about flogging a dead horse and moving to Ferrari, but <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of done it now anyway. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> there we go. Uh, worst, worst attempt at a joke ever. Right, Ferrari. So three podiums for them as a team this season so far. Uh, Leclerc, seven uh, race performances over his team to Sciences five. Uh, seven, five again to Leclerc in qualifying. All three of those podiums we mentioned come from Leclerc. Uh, but as I alluded to before, the points gap is extremely close. So you've got Leclerc on 99 points and Sainz on 92. And I do think, actually, for the most part of the season, Sainz has actually been ahead. It's only a big swing in Spa that's really yeah, yeah, it was. scuppered that a little bit. And, and Sainz has generally been ahead of his teammates. So I think it's quite close with the two of these. Um, personally, I think science has been marginally the better driver as until last race, the standings were just about showing. Science um, consistency. Was, I, don't think that was, I don't think that was particularly science's driving as such. I think he got damaged very early in the race, didn't he? And yeah. Yes. Kind of like wrecked yeah. his race. So it killed the race. I think, I do think science's turn one could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's partly got himself to blame for that turn one, but as I, as I spoke about in the last podcast, but s- still, I don't think you can that you can't really taint his season with that one. No, thing. so mm. um, and he's yeah, been I th- I think these two very be, consistent all season. Yeah, I, but I do think these two are probably going to be very close to each other, possibly in the exact same tier. Yeah. I, I think, think one might be a I high agree. of that tier and one might be a low of that tier, but we don't have that option. Unless we want to, you know, have 99 tiers, then we <laughs> to divide these two. I'm, hmm. I'm almost, I'm thinking maybe they both go in B and I think I would possibly have signs ahead of Russell and Leclerc behind him. Ooh. How does that sound? That's no, that's 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 doable, I we'll, think, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll we'll organize I'll organize them visually like that. How how's this look? So yeah. so look so like is Russell in between the two Ferrari drivers or is so. Leclerc better than Russell? No, I think Leclerc's actually Russell thinking about it, I think I would have Leclerc ahead of Russell. Maybe, so that, yeah. In terms I of really thought about that. B tier categorization. So now we're subcategorizing. We're saying science, <laughs> Leclerc, Russell. Well, in, let's not worry B. too much about that. They're both a B. Then, look, yeah, you know, that, 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 that was that more a thought B. exercise. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's let's a not thing now. down in, like, what order the Bs should be in. <laughs> no, no, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, that was pretty much the quickest one. Anyone got anything else to add on <laughs> yeah, Ferrari? Well, I mean, we, need to, we don't have much time. We need to keep going. No, Fair enough. We've, we've talked enough about Ferrari this season, as we always do. <laughs> let's move on to McLaren then. Uh, so two podiums for them this season. Um, in terms of race results, it's Norris 9, Piastri 3. Quali is 10-2 to Norris. The two podiums were both Norris's, uh, and the points is 69 points for Norris and 34 for Piastri. Nice. <laughs> How do we feel about these? I think 
definitely I have uh, some favoring in Piastri's rating wherever it goes because of the fact that he's a rookie. And when yeah. you compare what he is doing to um, to where you'd expect a rookie to be, I think it immediately sort of bumps him up a tier, just the fact that he's a rookie doing what he's doing. So I'd be interested to see where... Let, let, I want to start with Piastri now. We've, I've started that okay. line. Well, again, I think these two are similar. I think these two are going... Wherever we put them, it's going to be more or less... I would say that they'll be more or less in the same tier for one reason or another. Um, it's an interesting season for McLaren because they've had... Obviously, they started quite poorly, very poorly, mm-hmm. in fact, you'd argue. And um, yeah, they brought their update... Um, some people called it just a copy of a Red Bull. I don't believe that's really possible in no. Formula One to just copy another car and suddenly find loads of speed. I think whatever they found and however they found it has been through their own development. Um, yes, of course, there will you know there are similarities in between between the two cars, and there's design philosophies being adopted, and obviously certain design philosophies work better than others, and that's how McLaren have, have, have progressed um, in terms of driver performance. You know, like, it's really tough because you're not really paying too much attention to them when they're right down at the back. So it's <laughs> yeah. Their results kind of are like, so bizarre. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really strange one. I think, look, I think right now, these last sort of two or three races, both drivers are, are, are seem to have found a really, really good seam of form. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably put both of them in A category myself. Chris? Both in A, you want to put them? Yeah. As in the category that is named A, not it, not the hmm. category. Like <laughs> <laughs> I want to put them in A category. Ooh, do I think they're both A tier? Right now, I think they are. I don't think they have been across the whole season, but I think, and maybe I'm getting like recent race bias here, which we promised we wouldn't do at the start of the thing. But yeah, but again, it's like, do you think they were getting the most out of the car they could? I mean, when after two 17th place in a row, Lando managed to pull a sixth place out of the bag in Australia. Yeah. Like, and, that was and, a, a, that was a mighty lottery, drive. though. That. And Piastri <laughs> scoring points there as well, you've got to remember. So, yeah, actually. You know, they, they both had absolutely awful opening races, and then they got the best out of it that they could in Australia and finished sixth and eighth. Um, like, I think they've for, got for both of them to be getting points. Drivers. Yeah, for both of them to be getting points before those upgrades, I think warrants them being at least considered for the this category that Hamilton and Alonso are currently in for this season. Um, yeah, do you know what? I can be convinced. Like, think about the drivers we've got in B. I think they're both driving phenomenally well. I do agree that they both should be in the same category because even though yeah. Lando is pretty consistently outperforming Piastri. You've also got to remember Piastri's done 12th Grand Prix and he yeah. is so close to him. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I think this is one of those where if we'd had the the six levels, they would sort of sit somewhere between Hamilton and Alonso and then those that we've put in this B tier. They'd be like, they'd be somewhere in between, but It's so very granular though. So it gets Let's too granular. Get too granular. Don't, so get, they go, don't get bogged down. They're going in, in A in, then. In an imaginary world I think where so. we're going in six A, tiers. But below the other two. Because we've got, we've got <laughs> sure. some categorization, remember? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> let's move on then. Next one. <laughs> right, let's do another team. Um, 
weirdly, I feel like their position in the standings doesn't reflect how mental the season's been for them as a team. But <laughs> we've got Alpine next. Um, so a podium for them, for one, which, again, is is crazy. Um, Ocon with 5-4 uh, leading over Gasly in race results. Uh, tied at 6-6 six, six in quali. The podium that they did get was Ocon's in Monaco. Um Quite close on points, 35 to 22. Um, a very weird situation. I find this one hard, mainly because of the what's going on with the team around them. Like, there's been moments in the season where they've looked really good, like they've got potential. Then there's been moments where they've looked like an absolute shambles. And then... And then there's other times where they've just been anonymous and you'd kind of forgot they were even on circuit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's been so mixed for them. And it's I'm gonna say really hard. Right now, for, for, the, for all of these reasons, for the reasons of the, 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 just the inconsistency coming from the drivers, given, you know, fair enough, it probably is difficult to be, to be consistent in a team that has really struggled all season and, you know, had all kinds of changes managerially and, and things. But I think... I can't give them either of these two. I can't put any higher than a C. Gasly, I definitely agree with you. I think Gasly's having a really disappointing season, especially after his last couple of years when he was like really doing the business at AlphaTauri. He's mm. having a pretty disappointing year. I think I want to put Ocon in B. I think despite everything, Ocon is driving pretty damn well this year. His podium Monaco was a heck of a drive. Um, I'm going to ask for some nuance on the situation with the two of them that I don't know if either of you will be able to answer and I know I can't hmm. answer myself they've had two incidents this season where they've essentially taken each other out right although actually one wasn't their fault was one it wasn't it was their a, fault no. it was a, that was a domino effect yeah, Australia was crazy. the only one where they took each other out on their own can you remember which way around that incident was and whose fault it was? Ooh. Not off the top of my head. Not off the top uh, of my head, I don't know. Because... I think it was... I think Ocon kind of squeezed Gasly as Gasly was coming back on track. I think that's okay. how that happened. The reason I ask is because I'd be tempted to put them in the same tier and maybe drop the driver that caused that incident. Um, what, down because, one? Yeah, basically like so that would be that would be Ocon I think I think Ocon caused that someone on the um, someone on the I think Gasly went off track and then rejoined and then yes. went up the inside of Ocon and Ocon didn't know he was there and then But I think Ocon was also kind of driving into a gap that might also disappear I think if you're going no, to split them it, up, I made it more awkward, need, we need to I? look this up. We need to look this up. <laughs> if you're going to put them in different tiers for me, Ocon has to be the higher of the two. Ocon's definitely driving better than Gasly. This I year mean, Ocon's me. the one with the podium. Ocon was the one with the stellar performance in Monaco. So yeah. there's something to be said for that. Maybe that is the separating factor, like you say, the fact that he has somehow put that car on the podium, albeit the, the in question, yeah. Monaco, where it's difficult to overtake, but it took a storm in qualifying position to put him up there in the first place. So I think the question is whether you guys want to put Ocon up into a B or whether you think they both need to go in C. I don't think either of them have underperforming as much as Stroll is. So if I was going to do it, I would go Ocon B, Gasly C, if we were going to split them, I think. I'm happy with that. 
stew upon rewatching the Australian incident? Do you have any, any <laughs> yeah, input to that? Because I can tell that's what you're doing. You're just double checking that situation for yeah, us. Yeah, well, I don't want to. I don't want to give it to the wrong person. So... Yeah, I agree. You're doing Sorry, the due diligence for time. us. The problem there is you're looking for a, a term one after a grid start incident in Australia, of which there are about seventeen. So, <laughs> I think. Despite what I was saying about that incident, I can justify Ocon being in a higher tier than Gasly. Even We've been if... told by Discord that Gasly apologised that incident, which I think says everything we need to. Well, know. he took the blame. Doesn't matter whose fault it was. He took the blame. <laughs> it doesn't, this video doesn't make it clear as to who actually did it because they changed the way they changed the angles makes it. Not Let's say we're disregarding that as being a factor. Yeah. Okay. Um, you... I'm still. I'm probably putting him. I mean, I can agree with that. B and a C. Yeah, I think if we're getting granular, Ocon's probably still a low B. Yeah, he's but, a bottom um, end of a B. Hey, I think he's, he's done enough. As you can clearly see, I have ranked him towards the bottom <laughs> see, of the B tier. I can see that. Yeah. Don't you okay, worry. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's um let's do the next one. Then I'm happy. Okay then. Right. Next team in the list is Williams. Uh, so we've got Albon and Sergeant here. Um, 10 race performances for Albon, just the one for Sargent. Clean sweep for Albon in quality 12 nil against his teammate. Obviously no podiums here. Um, and sadly no points for Sargent yet, but they don't feel too far away um, if the right weekend can come together, especially with how the car's looking better now. Um, 11 points for Albon so far. Okay, so um, Albon's killing it. Albon yeah. is way yeah. outperforming that car, I think. I think the only blot against Albon this season is when he crashed out all by himself in Australia when he was looking pretty good for the points. Yes. That's the only kind of blot against his name that I can think of. Um, But you are right. Otherwise, he is really really doing the business this yeah, year he's, he's i think he's maximizing for the most part he's maximizing every weekend i think like last weekend they both cars struggled because the cake tin on the rear brakes split yeah and it was overheating yeah. their tires and just led to huge degradation so because at one point they were looking decent weren't they and suddenly they just disappeared yeah. and they were nowhere yeah so, it was after um, the first round of stops wasn't it that they both started struggling because yeah. we thought it was a compound thing at first because because it came after the stops but yeah, it was obviously a little more to it than that. Yeah. So um yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna throw Albon straight into the A. A yeah, Albon's an A for me. A for Albon. Firmly in the A tier for me. Yeah. The question is where do we put his rookie <laughs> teammate, Logan Sargent? I think because he's a rookie, C. Yeah. I can I don't think I, I think can like, live with that. You he's... need to be closer to your teammate. That's the one person that that is absolute domination. The same reason I've put um stroll in a d is because he was absolutely dominated by his teammate and i think the only thing you know i'm, I'm going to be kind and give him c because he's a rookie and yeah he's, he'll, he's, he's not had multiple seasons in the sport to be like honed in his craft like stroll has and therein lies the yeah. difference doesn't it yeah yeah and he so, is yeah. gradually getting closer to albon not as quick yeah. as i would like to see but he is very gradually closing that gap, so I can I can just about be convinced by it. So. Yeah, okay. He's, he's look, he's got promise. Like he he could in the future be a really really good Formula One driver. I think he's 
you know, he's not the, he's certainly not the worst rookie we've seen. Um, That's for sure. He's sort of the American hope, isn't he, for the Americans that they love. Yeah, they, they love him. He's Until American. Andretti hopefully gets a spot on the grid. <laughs> Chris does not sound confident in that assessment of him at all. It's just a shame that <laughs> it's just a shame that he is the entire hope for yeah. American fans in F one right now. True. Yeah, and as you may have noticed, I put him down the the lower end of C. That that's okay, you know. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, the next one. Let's move on to Haas. Um, so Hulkenberg and Magnussen here tied on their race performances against each other, six six. Uh, Hulkenberg with the better qualifying performances, winning nine three. Obviously, no podiums here, uh, and in terms of points, Hulkenberg has nine. Magnussen only has two. Um, Magnussen obviously coming back from, I, I want to say time away, but he was sort of he made sporadic reserve appearances as well. As well. So, uh, sorry, yeah, what did I say? You said Magnussen. Uh, sorry, other way around, yeah. Hulkenberg coming <laughs> back from not being a full-time driver, essentially, like only making sporadic reserve appearances for other teams. Yeah. Um, I mean... Really good performances from Hulkenberg in terms He's of qualifying. Um, like so many times he pops up in Q2 and Q3 sessions that, to be honest, sometimes you feel like he has no right in being in like just absolutely brutal one lap pace. And I feel and like being, tire degradation yeah, yeah, exactly. Feel like then being maybe let down by just what that car is capable of in a race because. The reason I say that is because no matter what, where either of them qualified, they basically just go backwards. Um, kind of both being let down by the race pace of the car. But I think more of a silver lining with Hulk than Magnussen because obviously Hulk's initially qualifying so well. Personally, I'd put him like on a tier one above the other. So like Hulk on maybe a B and then... Magnuson on a C. I don't think Magnuson's particularly doing too much wrong. I just think Hulk is doing more than of what the car is capable with when it's uh, in quality trim. Yeah, Hulk's Hulk's doing great. I've, I've I like when he they announced he's coming back. I was pretty nonplussed about it, but actually he's he's been really impressive this year. Um, I can definitely go Hulk a B. Magnuson has been pretty poor this year is he d tier poor i don't think he's cool i think d's harsh given that the car is just not great it's not great it, it is he is he's if if he sees at the bottom end i suppose a big question would be how is his performance like if you were to be running a team of like Williams, Haas, uh, Alpha Towery kind of caliber as they are currently, who would you rather put in your car, Kevin Magnussen or Logan Sargent or Lance Stroll? Out of those three drivers, who would you pick? Kevin Magnussen, all day. You probably would pick Kevin Magnussen, yeah. So, and I think the other thing is like he they are on races, they are drawn 6 6, so he can't yeah. be doing that much worse than his teammate. So I think I, I'd, I'd be happy with um, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with a B okay, yeah. for for Hulkenberg and a C for Magnussen. I think that's fair. Okay, that works for me. Okay. Um, 
Alfa Romeo come next. Um, ah. Bottas and Joe. Um, eight race performances to Bottas, four to Joe, 7-4 to Bottas in qualifying. I'm trying to work out why those numbers don't make sense. Um, it's because these numbers don't include any sessions where they both retired, I believe. In quality? I don't know exactly how that works in qualifying. I'll be honest, I've taken these numbers from a <laughs> different website. I didn't work them out myself. From a third party. Fair yes. enough. We'll blame a third party, an anonymous third party for that. Yes. Um, obviously, no podiums down here. Um, and in terms of points, it's 5-4 to Bottas. So not mushing it between the two of them in that regard. Um, but for context, I guess they've both had two points finishes. Um, it's just that... Joe's were ninth and ninth, Bottas's were eighth and tenth, so it works out marginally better for Bottas mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, the point system doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean not, really not much to say for, for this team, isn't it? They've been nowhere all season. I think the sale to Audi is kind of hindering their progress this year a little if, bit. A little bit it yeah. feels like it's very much stalled anything else that was ongoing to focus whatever's coming next, doesn't it? Yeah. I think so. Um, and that's neither of the drivers' fault. Obviously, they've both got a bit of a lemon of a car that they're having to deal with. Um, it's really, really hard to draw any like firm conclusions about them, but I think they've both been super anonymous all season yeah. as well. They're I think been- this is one of Bottas's worst seasons, to be honest, as, as the resident Bottas fan here. Yeah, I'll like, take your word on it, because you're... The, the, guy, the guy's out there... Bottas. He's never looked happier. He's he's living his best life, but uh, I think he's taking his eye off the ball a little bit on track this season, if I'm completely honest. Um, Joe, on the other hand, I think he's doing, you know, he's in his, what, second season now? I think he's mm-hmm. doing a pretty solid job. Like, he's pretty close to a very experienced teammate. Yeah. Being yeah, respectable, very respectable performance. A couple yeah. of in decent qualifying performances and... and- glimmers of good racecraft from Joe yeah. as well. I feel like I feel like out of the two of them, Bottas has been almost completely anonymous, whereas with Joe Guan Yu, I feel like at least I've There's seen glimmers and moments yeah. from him, yeah, of like maybe getting into a Q3 session or a bit of fine racecraft, like going wheel to wheel with people, whether it be defending or, or like at least trying to make moves. So I feel... If there's going to be any separation, it's going to go in his favour. But I think that overall, the tale of like the head-to-heads probably tell it that it is actually quite close between them. Um, So they're probably in the same tier, but maybe a little Mm. little bit more marginal for sure. I don't know. It sounds like he disagrees too, so I'm keen to hear it. I'm going to base this on where they were last year because I haven't used this statistic yet so far Okay, yeah, yeah. tier list production. Um, Bottas, five positions lower than he was last year. Joe, two positions higher than he was last year. So the tale that Chris was telling of Bottas not being on the ball and not being focused this year kind of plays out, I think, in that stat. Um, yeah. So for that reason, I am going to put... Joe at a C, and I'm actually going to put Bottas down at a D to be five positions further back Ooh, than wow. he should be. Um, yeah, I think, and, and just so anonymous, both of them so, so anonymous. Yeah. So out, they're just out of the picture completely. Like, it's not, they're not being particularly exciting or interesting to watch. They haven't contributed to 
the sport. <laughs> they just um, they've also ran all season. And it's yeah, it's yeah. not been that exciting. I'm gonna push for a C for Bottas and let make you have the final choice there, Tom. You're welcome. I mean, as you may have noticed, I was shuffling around with it while Stu was <laughs> justifying it, and I sort of put Bottas in the D and made sure he was at least above Stroll within that D, and then Joe towards the bottom end of the Cs, um, maybe just above Logan Sargent. So I feel like that's the degree of separation I want, that like Bottas is the highest a D can possibly ever be, and <laughs> Joe is kind of... It just in amongst the C's. Like, yeah. if, if Bottas tried once in a while, he'd be a C too. That's why. I'll be, I'm I'll going be there's time, we're, It's mid season. There's time for all yeah. of these to change. That is the joy of mid season reviews. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you, I think you would expect more from Bottas. Yeah. I think. And that's, right now, that's Bottas why he's in, where he is for me. Bottas is in D for decline. That's yeah. what Bottas is. <laughs> wow. There's Next an episode one. title for you. Uh, right. Last. The team, or the only team, with three drivers to to rank <laughs> and rate. So, we'll do this in like I guess sort of two parts. So, um, up until early in this season, we had Sonoda versus De Vries, which was eight two in race performances to Sonoda, eight two in qualifying to Sonoda, um, and in terms of points, Sonoda at that point had two points, and De Vries had none. Since then, we've had a couple of races with Ricardo in the seat, replacing De Vries, and they've essentially been tied. Uh, one one in races, one one in quali. Um, although Sonoda has picked up a point, whereas uh, whereas Ricardo hasn't. Discuss. Who do you want to start with? <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we? Should we start with De Vries? Yeah. D for De Vries. I think so. Like, <laughs> as much as I feel sorry for the guy, I don't think you can make an argument to put him any higher than D, unfortunately. I mean, I yeah. I have no argument to move him up any higher. When I the think about... His performances weren't there. Yeah, when you think about his performances, and especially when what was expected of him, I think that's got to be a factor as well. Like, you, yes, fair enough, it's his first full-time season, but he comes very seasoned from other sports. There's a big difference between being a what is essentially a rookie season when you're world champions in other forms of wheel-to-wheel, open-wheel racing, and when you're coming from a junior category, such as Logan Sargent and Oscar Piastri. There's a big difference there, I think. De Vries has well, been around well. against seasoned vets for a long time now. And as well, the expectation based on the performances for yeah. William, well, the performance for Williams in yeah. Italy last year, like the expectation was much higher. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was like something about the Alpha Tauri that didn't suit him, or just maybe Red Bull, maybe just wasn't getting the support he needed from the team and from Red Bull. But yeah, it definitely seemed, I mean, it seemed quite early on that they felt like they'd made a mistake. I think, I do think they booted him out too soon. Um, I think it was unfair. I think he need, they. I think he deserved a chance to give the guy a full season. Yeah. His, yeah, I think he deserved I mean, a yeah. season. They weren't competing but, for anything. Had they been a front-running team in a scenario where he was never finishing in the points and the car was capable of winning races, then yeah, fair enough. Like, I mean, that's do the thing, do the like, Red Bull thing, but. 
this car was going nowhere. This car wasn't capable of much in a good weekend. It was. It it's, I'd say it's comfortably the worst car on the grid. Maybe tied with the the Haas for that in terms of race pace. Probably. Um, mm-hmm. um. So I think there's a dynamic here that we're not taking into account, and that's the the Perez dynamic. I think the re- the whole reason this happened in the first place. If well, I, yeah. Without getting into too much detail, is if Perez has, if if Perez had been performing to the standard that they expect Perez to perform, then I don't think they'd be worrying too much about De Vries. No. But they're thinking, oh, we need to get. We're not. We're looking like. You know, Perez is not going to be doing the business mm-hmm. for us anymore. We need to get someone warmed up in the other car so yeah. that we've got a replacement for it. That, if we're being really honest, that's what's going I mean, on here. It's plain to see. Yeah. If if De Vries had matched Sonoda's point scoring, they'd still be last. So there's yeah. there's no way there's a championship fight argument yeah. there, really. Um, yeah. 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 So um, yeah. No arguments to move from Dylan's, but I, I think yeah, he has to. Yeah, I, I can't say anything to justify anything higher than a D. So that's where it's going to have to be. Let's do the only driver that's competed in every event for the team next, which is Sonoda. Okay. <laughs> just for just for record, it's Sonoda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Yuki is having as good a season you can in a car like the one that they have and great. has had glimmers of, I would probably say outperforming the car. Um, and I think for that, I would personally want to kind of put him in the B category. Kind of, I feel like he's kind of basically doing what Hulkenberg's done, which is these flashes of, Wow, I did not expect that from that car, but overall not being able to like maintain that, which is quite likely a factor of the car, same as it is for Hulkenberg, but some people consistently outperform the car. Some people like Hulkenberg in UK are capable of like flash qualifying performances or specific good races, but not the consistency of doing it all the time. So I feel like he's in that same sort of ballpark is where I want to put him. Uh, right. I think I'm, we're close. We're close here. Okay. That's good. <laughs> um, That's good. <laughs> uh, I think he's. If you're doing, if you're rating this in that granular way of of sort of you know putting the the best at the front and the worst at the back of the tier, then he's either just ahead of Perez or just behind Perez. I think because if he was that far ahead of Perez, I think if he was if he's a top B, he's replacing Perez already. If he was performing that well, they'd be turfing. Wait, hang, hang on. So are you putting him? High C then, like a C but better than Perez. Basically, I'm either putting him a low B or yeah. just a ahead high of C. Perez, or a high C just behind Perez, and I can't okay. really. I don't think I can put him better than Perez. Okay, I I, I see the logic there because I do. Perez has obviously. <laughs> I mean, Perez is a driver that. Yes, fair enough, he's in the best car on the grid, but he is still sat second in the championship. And he's, he's won races. And he's he's won races, yeah. And he's had a number of podium finishes. And I just don't think Sonoda would have... The, the races that Perez has won, I don't think Sonoda would have if he was in that car. So that's why he has to go behind Perez for me. So it has to be sort of anywhere behind Perez, really. He's it's, it's in okay. the sea. It doesn't really matter as long as he's not ahead of Perez. So, Chris, so you're I, probably going to decide this, I think. What do you think, Chris? I do want to put him in B. And I will tell you why. Tell me. Um, 
like he he's in arguably the worst car on the grid, maybe tied with Haas, depending on the track. Um, but in that car, he's had some really phenomenal drives. And if you think about Yuki, used to have a reputation of being pretty fast, crashed a lot. He's not retired once this season. He's put in some really good performances, and above everything else. I think when there's all this talk about the Red Bull seat and what will happen if they decide to get rid of Perez, the fact that Sonoda's even put himself in that conversation is not where I thought he would be if you asked me this. Even this time last year, probably, I would have thought you were mad to think he'd be in that conversation at this point. But he's done enough this year to, as much as I don't really believe he is going to get that seat with Ricardo now in the mix... I, the fact he's even put himself in conversation, I think he's really impressive. So I can go for a B for him. Okay. Oh, you've convinced me. You've convinced me. <laughs> Fine, B. Fine. Okay. <laughs> and then last, the gent who has only done two races so far this season, and that is Danny Rick. I feel like... like the, we, we can't is, leave him out, but also... Yeah, this is the one that's two races. very, very difficult, in my opinion, because it's... Honestly, it's too early to really tell this is why literally before we recorded this i said are we actually <laughs> gonna put danny rick in these or are we gonna do him well, at the end of the yeah, season I think, but i think it'd be incomplete if we didn't have danny yeah. Rick. yeah so it has to be there i would i think really for for what we've seen so far we haven't really seen everything that he's capable of this season he's had two races to have a go at it um he's coming in from you know a six month break or half a season's break um i think you've got to put him b just it's not fair to to hate on him for not doing as well as you might expect. It's not fair to put him any higher than a B because we haven't seen yeah. any, enough from just him. Just drop him in the middle. Yeah. So just and, stick him slap bang in the middle, yeah. Yeah, and he's been sort of pretty close to Yuki at times in these two two race weekends so far. Yeah, but I think he, he, that it shows, yeah, it, it shows like what you would expect someone that's been around the sport as long as he has coming back. Um, in the same way that Hulkenberg, we, we were saying earlier, has come back and you know, had these moments that show why they brought him back. I think Danny Rick will hopefully do the same in the rest of the season. So there we have it. That is our tier ranking for this for the mid. I'm pretty happy with season. that. Yeah, I think that looks about right. I think you know it, it's a sensible ranking, and yeah. having more in the middle there along the B is about how any ranking should look. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure yeah, we could all individually well, make arguments to move the odd driver up or down one, but I think as a as a nice average, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I am dreading putting this on YouTube. I've <laughs> a lot of people commenting. Well, I, I hope think there's a lot of people coming commenting on YouTube. I'd love to. Yeah, and please do like send us your rankings as yeah. well. Like, I'd be really interested to see what you as listeners think and where you disagree with us and where you do agree with us. So yeah, please do send yeah. in your rankings. Right, we need to rattle through this inbox stuff. Yeah, let's quickly. We don't let's have much time. get some we'll inbox, some inbox done. Keep it safe now. Stay, stay up. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Uh, I'll take the first one. Um, Go for it. Darth Kilowog says, "Hey, man, what's going on with Alpine? Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> nice a, quick one. Not not a quick question to answer. What's going on with Alpine? Do you think that that brand will be on the grid in 2026 or uh, will a Renault-powered car... Well, it's already a Renault-powered car. Um, but I think it means will a Renault-powered car even be on the grid Oh, be there year? at all. Yeah, I think it, it will. Yeah, it will. I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, I, I imagine at some point over the summer break, 
we are going to end up talking about Alpine again because it's looking more and more likely that Mattia Bonotto is going to be stepping into that team. I mean, the, the short version of what's going on is it appears the top brass don't have a whole lot of patience. Yeah, um, yeah looks that way. But yeah, I think we'll talk about this a lot more in coming weeks because this yeah, is going to keep rumbling for a while. Yeah, we need to let this develop a little bit more, I think, before we yeah. sort of draw any firm conclusions. But I do I do think it's... I'm sad to see Otmar go. I think he's, he's one of my so. favourite personalities in all of Formula 1. He's just like such a... Seems like such a nice guy. He's going to get um, snapped up very quickly by another team, I imagine. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, next one. Next one from Wesley. Hey, man, it appears that Aston Martin have got caught doing something the FIA says they shouldn't have been. Uh, discussion here in the Discord is that finding and exploiting loopholes is at the very heart and nature of F1. Would you agree? Is it wrong to live by the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law? Is the onus on the FIA to make sure teams know what is intended by a specific rule and therefore should capitalise on the fact that said rule is poorly written? Um. I think just going to the last specific bit of that, um, the FIA making sure that it's known what's intended by a rule so that it's not possible to circumvent it. Yes, I think it is the FIA's duty to write rules in a way that they can't be circumvented or misconstrued. And if, if there is an unfortunate oversight, then they have to deal with that in an appropriate manner. I think DAS for Mercedes a couple of years ago was probably the right way to deal with it. So there was a loophole that allowed them to use the way that they were moving the steering column to make the adjustments, didn't break any of the rules that were written, but it was a little bit of a twisting of the word into basically say well we're not actually breaking this rule because we're doing it like this so the easy thing was okay it will be outlawed from the end of the season the rule will be changed to accommodate as such done and that's the right you can't you can't just take it off them yeah. immediately because that's not fair but what you can do is at least with some dignity close the loophole and then continue on without it um, yeah i agree I think the um, the F duct was another good example. Yeah. Like they were like, yeah, this is fine. Everyone started developing it. It started to get a bit silly, and you had drivers taking flat out corners one handed. At which point they were like, okay, we're going to nip this in the bud now. It's getting silly. Um, and the double diffusion in two thousand nine, same thing. Like, yeah, well done. You found a loophole. Everybody else, it's the onus is on them to catch up developments. Like that's yeah, yeah. It's it is the part of the nature of F one. Like. And we've said before, I can't remember exactly what technical thing we were talking about at the time, but we've said a few times before, ultimately, the smartest people in these areas aren't working for the FIA writing rules, they're working for race teams. Yeah. So there's no way that the people writing the rules are ever going to think of as many like variants of yeah. these rules as the people designing the cars. It's just they have a totally different mindset is the thing. They're, yeah. they're writing rules as the as the ruler and the, the people sort of designing components from the rules are creatives who are always looking for a way around the rule to, to, to implement what they want to do. And if they can yeah. find a way around it, then they're always going to do that. So, yeah, I, I actually quite like that aspect of Formula 1. I think it's fun. It's a fun 
challenge for the teams to to try and overcome the rule book in a way yeah yeah but at the same time i think the onus is on the fia to write watertight rules i think there's lots yeah. of areas where the rule book could be tightened up um, especially in, in terms of sporting regulations as well so yeah um there's definitely room for improvement but i think yeah part, well, also part of the magic of of the technical rule set is definitely the the ability of the teams to to interpret rules yeah you know, how as- they see fit I'm just glad that this Aston Martin thing doesn't appear to be anywhere near as bad as what allegedly was Ferrari, like just flagrantly <laughs> breaking a rule and then settling yeah. it behind closed doors. It doesn't seem to be that bad. And I think that's the, that's the side that I don't like. The If the rule twisting and wording twisting, I think is part of the sport and the FIA just have to deal with it in a dignified manner, which they don't always, but they appear to be getting better in the last couple of years with that, yeah. I think. So Well, you know, I will I'll never forget um Sergio Perez Perez getting back to the pits at Belgium under well, his own yeah. power. Under his own power <laughs> on the back of, the back of a truck. truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. Uh next one. Next one. Charlie Brigden says, um, if the current F1 tracks were people, who would be the most fun to go to dinner with? And which one would you avoid at parties? What a summer break question if I ever yeah. saw one. <laughs> um, I've got an answer for that. Go I on. think the, the most fun's going to be like a spa or a Monza because they're going to have like decades of all the best stories to tell. Good food as well. Yeah. Great food. And then at parties, I would avoid... Monaco, because they're all style but not a whole lot of substance. <laughs> I can't. Do you know what? I can't Very suggest full of anything better than that. But not much to actually bring to the table. I can't suggest anything better than that. That's yeah. That's great. Next one. <laughs> uh, next one is Stephen H. Um, hey man, let's say you're in charge of marketing for F1. Stephen appears to work for F1 in the marketing <laughs> department. Um, <laughs> Trying to sustain the growth, especially in the US, what would be your selling points right now for F1 other than it's a great way to learn the Dutch national anthem? <laughs> um, it's a good question. Um, I don't think F1 do enough around the the tech side of things. Like, there's so many impressive figures and numbers from the tech side of things. Like, you know the power of the engines and the amount of G-force that they pull and the braking power and stuff. Like, if you can present those kind of mind-blowing physics things in a kind of exciting, uh, consumer-friendly kind of way, I think I think they're missing a trick a little bit, like, with that. Like, last year, partway through the year, that suddenly was like, the, oh, we've remembered that we're hybrids, so we're going to sort of mention that every week. But they didn't really do anything <laughs> with it, like... Yeah, yeah, I think there's more to yeah. that. Okay, my answer to that question is a simple one. It's give more budget to the social media team and let them make better content. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. as simple as that for me. Pretty, easy, pretty easy way to Tom. do it. It's Chris on this one. It is me. Uh, from Pete Sturt. Hey, man, wild suggestion for the DRS rule. Drivers get DRS when within two seconds of the car in front, but then it automatically shuts off when within one second. It'll keep the pack bunch, but ensure drivers actually have to do the hard work to overtake. Thoughts? (laughs) 
I, I see the uh, logic. I see the logic. Get, here's an idea. Just get rid of DRS. Just don't have DRS <laughs> anymore. Have a yeah. formula that cars could... We now have a formula where cars can follow each other in theory, although they seem to be following each other less well this year. Yeah. I think maybe roll back some of the changes or, 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 or at least make some changes to make the following easier again. Yeah. Um, and then just get rid of DRS altogether. I, I genuinely, there are places where we don't even need it at the moment on the calendar. Yeah. Um, but they have to have it every race. It's part of the rule set and they've all developed DRS. So why not? But yeah, I think, I think it's a shame when, you know, when a car overtakes and then, gets a second advantage further down like they can just pull away so you can't even fight the overtake that's just happened yeah. to you yeah um but yeah i think i, I don't know about um about th- this i think maybe as well like we've, we've discussed this kind of stuff in the past i think a better solution is also freeing up drs and allowing people to use it in a defensive way and an attacking way mm-hmm. so making it so you have a limited number of mm-hmm. applications of drs across a race distance and you can use them at your at your leisure. You, know, yeah. you can use it to pull a gap or you can use it to attack or you can use it to defend. And then once you've run out of them, if the person behind you still got it, then you're vulnerable and that's, that's fair and square. But yeah. I think give everyone the option to use it more strategically rather than base it on, on a distance and a track marker. I don't think that's quite um, the best way of doing it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to at least have some sort of trial run of a, a race where, they they do it with that format, um, like I don't know. Use a sprint race to, to trial something like that or something. Yeah, like, have Maybe. a sprint race so you can have five applications of DRS. Use them when you see fit, or Someone something. Like I'll give them. Well, give them no, like, but I mean, obviously, got in a sprint race? it depends depends on the circuit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or like enough for one per lap or something. Track. Yeah. Yeah, multiple so, places on track where you can apply it. So maybe you yeah. give everyone say ten or fifteen over a yeah. twenty lap race, and yeah, you know, see what happens. Next one. Yeah, next one. Um, Katie says, Hi, guys. Do you think there was or is a little bit of arrogance from the Mercedes design and aero team in the fact that it took them so long to make the changes needed to the design of the 22-23 car and go more towards the Red Bull philosophy? Or did they go so far down their own rabbit hole, it's actually just taken them longer than it maybe would have to get back to that level equal and then be able to compete with the rest of the midfield. Also, any thoughts on how Niels Wittich is doing? Um, Stu's just highlighted over that, so I can't read the rest of it. Um, yeah, personally, thinking he's doing a good job and there's a lot less controversy at the moment. Yeah, he's doing great. Um, he is doing the- a good job. The, I think that the, the, there are there have been one or two questionable decisions from stewards in recent races, but we can. We definitely talk about way. stewarding a lot less this year than we have in recent years. On the it's, whole, it's else, getting better, isn't measure. it? And yeah. that's that's the important thing. It's getting better. Yeah. In terms of Mercedes, I think I think they went down the rabbit hole too far, and I think that you know the sounds coming out of Mercedes, it sounds like they didn't actually see when they were doing their own tests on 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 their own versions of of what red bull have got they weren't seeing any benefit but i think they were so far down that rabbit hole that they i think they developed themselves into a corner and it took them a long time to yeah. realize that they weren't going to get any more performance from it 
um, I think the philosophy has to be you take your own direction and you know if you're just going to do the same as what other teams are doing then you're not going to get ahead of other teams necessarily or it's going to be much more difficult to do what a team is already doing better than them so um, I think there's still a lot of work to do at Mercedes I think they've they're they're looking for something the best they can do is match Red Bull at the moment and then it's down to the drivers isn't it to, to exploit the car better mm-hmm. so yep. yeah uh, final one um, everyone ready for the final one yeah um, from uh, this is Mrs. KB on YouTube um, this is Kiora Bro <laughs> from New Zealand um, thanks for making an awesome podcast we've been through about a year plus catching up on many episodes from previous seasons could you please explain why some cars are better on tyres are better or worse on tyres considering the rate of degradation, getting them up to optimal temperature quickly or not, and everything else that would help performance. Many thanks, Karen. Um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, that's, that that's, is a kind of a tricky one. It's all to do with aero balance and suspension and and the, the way the driver's driving. It's a very dynamic aspect of a Formula 1 car, isn't it? Tire temperature. It's not any yeah. car, actually. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, it's, it is a very delicate thing as well, which is why teams will sometimes find it hard to get out of that rut that they're in. Like Haas, from a funds and resource point of view, are really struggling to develop a race config that essentially is also kind on the tyres. Um, I mean, in simplest terms, it's about things like what you'll hear referred to in coverage of lot a lot for more simple terms is like the scrubbing, like the the sideways movement. Obviously, a car that's moving more back and forth sideways in cornering is going to immediately have much more of that grinning effect, the bubbling up of the tires because the tire is not making the the intended directional movement on the tarmac that it's supposed well, it's to. Well, it's not heating evenly. What you want yeah. is the tyre to heat evenly across the tyre from the yeah. core of the tyre. You want core temperature. You don't want spikes of surface temperature because yeah. that's when yeah. parts of your tyre melt off and come off, and that's when you get you know, excessive graining and things like that yeah. like you talk about. But it is all dependent on the level of downforce, the the way the suspension set up, the, you know, the camber caster, all of that ride height. Every dynamic around a Formula One car has an influence on this, so it's not a, it's not a simple thing to you know to just say, oh, we're going to make a car that now is better on its tires because everything on that car has to go hand in hand for that to be a feature of that car's handling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a very very difficult one to explain, but obviously tires are very very important in Formula One. We talk about them a <laughs> lot on this podcast, and I hate talking about tires because they're the most boring <laughs> aspect of the sport. I mean, but, what, um, what we say must be valuable to some people for the questions to always come. We must That's say true. something of value to people at least. Yeah. So yeah. I hope that I hope that mostly answers your question. It's basically the answer is pretty much everything has an impact on it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 all I got for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that rounds off inbox quite well <laughs> with some tight talk. Uh, but yeah, that is it for this week. So thank you to everyone who's joined us. Um, with it being the summer break, we will be doing a couple more episodes like this, kind of reviews or just other bits of news to discuss and, and bits from throughout the season, um, as well as obviously then as we get closer to Zandvoort, um, the look ahead to that in a few weeks. So make sure you stay with us. It, easiest way to follow us is 
all the social media platforms, uh, whatever Twitter's called these days, Facebook and Instagram, you can find us by searching for Back of the Grid. Uh, you can find us um, through our Patreon at patreon.com slash back of the grid, which gets you access to our Discord if you get involved through that, which is an awesome little community with the benefits of being able to interact with us live and just chat with us through the week and during race weekends and so on. Uh, and then, of course, those of you who, are, who have been watching us on YouTube, very much appreciated. And as we said at the top of the show, if you're enjoying what you're seeing, please subscribe. Please hit the bell icon for all the uh, notifications of when we actually put a new episode out. And of course, hit the like button on the episodes. Uh, it does always help her out and gets us in the algorithm to share with your friends and other F1 fans. Oh, I hate that term. All hail the, the algorithm. algorithm. Oh. All hail the algorithm. So, but that is it and for this week. Note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has joined us and we will see you soon. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.